Welcome to Sex, Drugs, and Spirituality with Sydney DeLorean. That's me. And I am so excited to talk to you today about drugs. Because if you can't do them, at least you can learn about them. Before I get into the topic, I want to give... Because listen, I don't have an hour's worth of material on 2CB. Um, And before I get into it, I want to give you a little bit of an update on what's going on in my life. If you don't give a fuck about me, and that's okay, I barely give a fuck about me. If you don't give a fuck about me, fast forward like 20 minutes. It's cool. Um, And I don't want any of this to come off as complaining. I just want it to come off as explaining because, you know, I get messages from people who are like, where's the episode? What's going on? And like, I get it. Um, so if you listen to all the episodes, you probably know that I, uh, broke up with my boyfriend in late spring, early summer, and, um, I moved out at the beginning of August. Oh my God, am I going to cry? Fuck, I'm a mess. Okay, so we broke up late spring, early summer. I moved out at the beginning of August, and this is a has this this has affected my recording schedule and that is because when I lived with him in his house we had a recording studio in the garage and so I had a pretty smooth like operation going where I would do my research and write my episodes on Tuesdays. Wednesday mornings, I'd wake up at 6 a.m. I would record the episode, edit it, post it, bada bing. We have an episode every Wednesday. And it was really convenient having a recording studio in the house. I don't have that situation anymore. I live in an apartment, um, which I jokingly call my sad divorce apartment. And that means I have upstairs neighbors and it means there's jackhammering on the street and I have a roommate who's sometimes home, sometimes not home. And even when she's home, even if she's quiet, I get really self-conscious about talking when people are listening. So like I've had times where like technically I could record, but I just am, I can't relax and there's something about being in the studio alone, knowing that no one is hearing this. I can talk into the microphone. I feel more comfortable. I feel less inhibited versus knowing there's someone in the other room listening because right now it, this is going out into the ether. I don't know really who's listening to it, but if there's someone that I know listening to me live, I have a little bit of a harder time, um, I don't know, just doing my thing. You know what I mean? So anyways, I don't live in an ideal situation for recording. And um, sometimes I will go to Scott McNulty's house to record while he's at work. And that works out pretty well. Um, But I've had vehicle problems (laughs) as well. And so just to like get into the frustrations that I've been dealing with in life. And again, I don't want this to be like a woe is me thing because like my life is going well. I'm in a good place. There are a lot of good things going on. And 
again, I apologize to the people who don't give a fuck about me. Usually I try to keep my like personal shit to the decency with the Lorian show and those get pre-released on the sex, drugs and spirituality Patreon. And then like a couple months later, I dump them all out on the decency feed, which is available on iTunes and all that bullshit. So I've just, I've been trying to keep my personal life off of this channel just so it's like, okay, well, you know what? If you want to know my personal life, give me a dollar a month. Otherwise, if you just want to learn about sex, drugs, or spirituality, here's your shit, you know? Okay. So I'm breaking my rule and talking about it here. So I moved out of uh, Zach's house where... Uh, we had a home studio. I'm in my sad divorce apartment. It's fucking loud. It's not ideal for recording. Um, shortly after I moved out, I ordered a new car because it turns out, um, well, there's a lot of reasons. A 2001 Mazda Miata is not the safest car to be driving uh, when you get off work at three in the morning because you're on the road with a bunch of drunk drivers I've been hit by drunk drivers twice, and um, I know of two bartenders who were killed by drunk drivers this year. Another one who I'm actually friends with was T-boned pretty badly by a drunk driver, and, like, if that accident had happened to me in my Miata, like, I would be dead. And so I definitely have known for a while I needed to get a better, bigger car. And specifically after moving out, I don't have... A home washer dryer anymore I have to go to the laundromat and you can't even really fit laundry in a Mazda Miata like it was difficult going to the laundromat so I ordered a new car because now you can't buy cars off the lot there's a chip shortage there's an inventory shortage you have to order one that's being built so that's what I did, and then um, it was supposed to come six weeks after I put my deposit on it, and I got a good offer on my car, so I sold it, and I paid my ex-boyfriend to rent his car for six weeks until my car came. Now, during that time, the air conditioning went out in his car, so I took it to get that fixed because I live in Arizona. It's still hitting the hundreds. And, um, he paid for it. Like, I'm not, let's not act like I'm paying for his car repairs, but, um, I took his car to get the AC fixed. So I didn't have a car for a while and I was Ubering around and spending a million dollars on Ubers and it was just frustrating. So like going somewhere to record became even more difficult. I can't record at home. I don't have a means to get somewhere else to record. Um, it is what it is. And then my dog died, and um, which you all know that Frank died, and um, that was emotionally hard to deal with. Um, and then shortly after that, now, again, I don't want to villainize anyone. Like, Zach and I broke up a long time ago, and we are both in new relationships, which is really wonderful. And maybe one day I'll talk about mine. But um, shortly after Frank died, Zach, we came out of the closet. Like, he's like, I'm seeing someone. Are you, how, what are you up to? And I was like, I'm seeing someone. Okay, cool. No big deal. But the big deal lie within the fact that I'm in a sublet and, um, 
I had left most of my stuff at his house while I tried to buy a house because it's like I just don't have room to move all my furniture. Like the I'm in a furnished sublet, so I didn't have room for my furniture. And I left my decor and stuff there because, you know, I was like, can I just leave it there until I move? And also he has a lot of travel this year and kind of the plan was, well, I'll stay there with Frank and watch Ralphie while he travels. So I was going to be there like one week a month for the rest of the year. But Frank died, so there's no reason for me to stay there. So both dogs can have a dog door. And, you know, when we came out of the closet about our relationships, uh, Zach's like, well, what, when you're staying here, like, obviously I'm happy for you. You're in a relationship, but like, I'm not to the point where I want your dude staying at my house while I'm out of town. And I was like, yeah, no, that's totally fine. Like I wasn't going to bring him over here anyways. Like I do have respect and boundaries, um, but Zach was like, I don't want you have to go like weeks without seeing him while I'm traveling. So how about when I travel, Ralphie will just stay with my sister and then you don't have to worry about it. And so now there's no reason for me to have a bedroom over at my ex's house. And also, you, you know, he made a very reasonable point that was, um, he didn't feel comfortable having the new girl over because, like, the remnants of our relationship were still there. I mean, there's a bright pink room with a giant sign that says Sydneyland that's, like, if you're sitting on the couch watching the movie, like, you can see it. And so um, he asked me to, you know, get the rest of my stuff out or at the very least, like, pack it in boxes and put it in the garage, which was very reasonable, but you know, it was a 10 hour ordeal. And um, like, that was another week that I didn't have an episode because I, I, the day that I would normally be writing and recording, I was over there, you, you know, breaking down my room and boxing things up and moving things to the new place or putting things in storage. And um, I'm gonna be honest, it was really emotional because like, in a way, like, I got, up until that point, like, I got out of the relationship kind of clean. Like, I moved out, and we were still friends, and, like, I was in this new space, and I didn't realize until I, like, officially packed up my stuff that he had been living in a mausoleum of our failed relationship, and I felt really bad for that. And so, like... You know, it's like the breakup went really smoothly and we lived together happily for several months after we broke up because we are like such good friends. And the whole reason we broke up is because we realized that we are just friends. Like this sort of like sexual and romantic aspect of our relationship like wasn't really there. Like we're just like best buddies and so you know the breakup went smooth living together for a while after the breakup went smooth and it wasn't until like I had to go back to the house and like actually pack up our life that I realized like uh, that I that I like acknowledged the um sorry dudes uh, that I acknowledged the sense of loss because like we did, we had a really good life together. 
Like, we just really did. We got along so well, and we co-parented so well, and, like, we just, you know, we redid his house together, and, like, we traveled and all this stuff, and, like, we had a really good life together, and so, like, packing up the remnants of it and realizing, like, oh, this actually isn't my life anymore, because I think I hadn't, like, acknowledged it yet, you know what I mean? And, like, not to be a brat, but, like, it sucks going from, like, a three-bedroom, two-living room house with a recording studio to, like, a sad divorce apartment and going to the ghetto laundromat and, like... I'm gonna like Phoenix has one of the most aggressive real estate markets in the country. So needless to say, I live in a fucking shitty neighborhood. Like there's a lot of crime and drugs and it is what it is. And so, you know, packing up my sweet suburban life. And so now it's like, okay, I don't have Zach. And like a lot of the things of like us hanging out and us watching movies and us sharing jokes and stuff, like that's fucking over. He's got a new girlfriend. I've got a new boyfriend. Ralphie's his dog. Like, when I moved out, the goal was kind of, we'll co-parent. But, uh, I mean, that's kind of, it's not, you know what I mean? I'm not even Ralphie's babysitter anymore. And so, and Ralphie as a whole, he's got a bed and he's got stairs and stuff at the new girl's apartment. Like, Ralphie, not that he has, like, a new mom, but, like, you know what I mean? Anyways, so, like, that was a week that I didn't have an episode, um, and the week that I didn't have a car was a week that I didn't have an episode, um, and, like, things just kept getting hiccups, and, um, the week that I was supposed to get my car, I called the dealership to be like, hey, is there an ETA on the delivery of this car? And... My salesman says, actually, I don't work there anymore. Uh, You're going to deal with John, head of sales. And now we'll back it up to August. John, head of sales at this car dealership, is who I had an appointment with to test drive a car, and he didn't show up. And um, so I test drove with a different salesman, put a deposit down, whatever. And later that day, got an email from this John character that said, hey, sorry you missed your appointment. I understand life gets hectic. Do you want to reschedule? And I write back, oh, no, John. Like, I was there. You weren't there. Not only were you not there, it turns out you don't work that day. And you didn't answer your call. So, like, I have a different salesman now. So uh, my salesman's gone. I'm back to dealing with John. I call him and he's like, oh, yeah, your car, which was supposed to be here the first or second week of August or first or second week of October, it's not going to be done being built till the end of October. And then it still needs to ship, which is another three weeks. And I'm like, "Okay, well, that kind of puts me in a rough position. And this was through text. He was texting me. I was like, that kind of puts me in a rough position as I already sold my car. So now like I have a rental, but my rental has to go back. And now I'm kind of screwed. Uh, I'm going to call you tomorrow. So I call him the next day. No answer. Not on the office line. Not on the cell phone. You can't leave a message. The voicemail's full. And it's just like, why didn't they even call me when my salesman left the company to be like, hey, just so you know, your guy's gone. We're taking over. We'll keep you posted. Just like basic customer service communication. None of that. And so I kind of start freaking out. And I'm looking around at other dealerships. And I have my mom helping me. And... um. 
we, I find a dealership that I think has a car that I want that's coming in sooner. And in my research, this is when I find out, like, I had bought the base model of this car and they told me it had all these safety features, the lane change assist, the blind spot monitoring. Because if you have that on your car, you save a lot of money on insurance. And it turns out the car that I ordered that has now been delayed by six weeks it doesn't even have those features that they told me it had because it doesn't come on the base model. So I have a car that's not going to be here till six weeks later. And like, it's not even the car I thought I was ordering. So I meet with another dealership and it's like, it's like the fucking Hunger Games. Like I, I closed the bar. I slept for three hours. I got up. I went to this dealership and we're looking through inventory, like stuff that's ordered that when it's going to be coming off the assembly line, what's the trim package, what's the, you know, and we find one that's what I want. It's the color I want. It's the trim package I want. It's all wheel drive. So I'm going to pay a little more money, but it is what it is. I'm going to get this thing car and I'm filling out finance paperwork. And while I'm doing that, someone else bought the car. So then it's, we got to start from the beginning and I have to go, could I live with a white version with a gray interior or a metallic charcoal with a black interior and whatever. And so we work out a deal and this car, like this was October 3rd and this car was scheduled to be done being built September 30th. So it doesn't say it's done being built, but it should be nearing the end based on when it was scheduled to be done. So I put a deposit on that car. And then the next day I have to go to the other dealership to get my deposit back because they won't do it over the phone. And meanwhile, I'm kind of sick. And I know I'm not actually like I know I don't have COVID because I was I had to house sit for some friends who wanted me to be COVID tested before staying in their house, which I know is silly, but like whatever. It's their house. They had to travel for a funeral. If they want to make sure I don't have COVID before staying in their house, I'll jump through those hoops for them. So like I'm real sick and I've lost my voice, but I know I don't have COVID. And, but hearing me over the phone, I'm thinking this dealership's going to say, Hey, we can reverse this charge over the phone because I'm told that they, that's a thing. They do it over the phone, but they hear me sounding sick as hell. And they're like, Oh, you have to come in and do this. And I'm like, okay. Like I, if I heard someone who sounded like this, I wouldn't want them anywhere in my airspace, but I'll come on down and get my money back. So like I do that. And I'm thinking this is exciting because like I have a road trip planned at the end of the month and the whole goal for the past three months has been I'm going to get my new car and then I'll be able to take this road trip because before I haven't had a car that was like road worthy in like road trip worthy in years and you know we would take Zach's car and now I'm single I'm taking a road well I'm not single but you know what I mean I'm divorced I'm an independent woman like I, I need a car that I can take road trips with. Um, I can go to Home Depot and I can go to the laundromat in. But, like, this car is supposed to be here in time for my road trip. And, like, long story short, I called to check on it to be like, hey, any updates? Like, is it done? Is it ready to ship? And production has been delayed and it's not going to be done being built until a month after it was scheduled to be built, which means it's not going to be there in time for my birthday road trip, which means that I'm going to pay $300 to rent a car to take my birthday road trip. I'm paying $300 to rent a version of the car that I fucking ordered back in August 
Anyways, it's all annoying, but like that week, I also didn't have an episode because I was spending all day at a car dealership and losing my voice due to some sickness and staying at a house where not only did I not have a voice, but there were four barking dogs. And so like, all right, here's another week with no episode. And I just feel like every week it's like, it's just like something like all these like little things that should go smoothly, like just like can nothing go smoothly. So uh, I uh, had to give my car back to my ex and um, because like I wasn't going to pay him more money to rent it for longer. And my mom had just got a little 2005 Beetle and was like, you can just borrow my car for free. It's fine. Like, and that is like the nicest thing ever because she just got this car to be her fun car. And um She's going to let me have it for probably six weeks until my car comes. Because now it's like we're looking at December, people. I was supposed to have a car the first week of October. This whole process started back in August. But anyways, so I drive. My mom lives like an hour from me. I get a ride from the boyfriend to go pick up her car. And like one of the tires has a bubble on it. And I drive it all the way back to my side of town. But I can't drive it. So I have to take it to the tire store to get that fixed. And, like, they have it for two days. And I just, like, was, like, can nothing go smooth? Can not can nothing go smooth? Like, every like, – it's just, like, a – and none of these are big deals, right? Like, none of these are big deals, but it's just, like, all the little hiccups. So I get the car, and I pick up the car, and then, guys, I – so my bank went through a merger, like, four months ago, and I had to change all my information because, like, my bank was bought out by another bank – I had new account numbers. I had to change out my direct deposit and all my auto bill pays. Well, it's going through another merger and everything's changing again. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to switch to checking at my, like, I'll do a personal account at the bank I do my business banking through. So I try to transfer everything over to that bank and I, I get, I fill out direct deposit forms so I should get my money there. But of course I write in the wrong account number. So like it comes to payday and I don't have money in my account and I review, okay, where did I, and I go, oh fuck, I sent them the wrong account numbers. So I call my boss and I say, hey, I gave you the wrong account number, um, and they call ADP and try to cancel my paycheck, but ADP says the money already went into the account, so that I have to go to my bank to say the new bank to say, "Hey, uh, my money went into the wrong account. Can you redirect it?" And they said, "Well, the good news is the account numbers you gave isn't a real account. We should be able to redirect it internally. Uh, we got you." And so then I go to the old bank that went through the merger to close out my account because I'm so done with these people. And it turns out my pay went into that account. And even though, whatever. And so then I close out that account. They give me the pay. I go back to the first bank and I say, I tracked down the missing money. Don't worry about it. Here it is. Cash deposit. And then like that was on Friday. That was hours of my life. And then on Monday, I get a call that says, hey, uh, the rever- the that paycheck, that direct deposit has been reversed. So now your closed account is negative 
I'm not going to tell you my finances, but it's negative a substantial amount of money. And um, so you have to come back and pay it. So then I have to go to the new bank, get the money, go to the old bank, give it back to the old bank to bring the account to a zero so I can cash it out. And so the money should go back to my employer. So then I call my employer and I say, hey, the money should be going back to you, whatever. Um, and this whole time, the old bank that went through the merger, there's no online, like there are online systems down. So like I can't see my account. Like that's part of the problem here is I haven't been able to see my online account with them for a month. So I can't see this money going anywhere. And when I had quote unquote closed out my account with them, they were even unable to give me a printed statement. Like, so it's like, I can't see the account online. I can't get a bank statement. I don't know what the fuck is happening. And my employer's like, okay, well the money uh, will bounce back to us so we'll write you a paper check cool well the next day i get a call from my employer saying the the bounce back was denied so the money is still in your bank in the old bank and so i call can you please verify and i was like well i would love to be able to log into my online banking and verify but there's no fucking online banking pnc uh pretty nutty Hard, I don't know. Fuck it. I'll come up with a slur spelled PNC for PNC Bank. Anyways, so I try to call my guy at the bank, and of course they aren't answering the phone, so I have to drive all the way back over there to be like, what's happening? It's been a whole thing. So it's been three days of my life this week that I'm just going to banks, and like none of like my bankers that I work with, they aren't by me in my new sad divorce apartment. They're on the other side of town by Zachary's house. And of course, none of this drama happened when I was on that side of town for like Pilates or my chiropractor or to pick up prescriptions. All of this happens when I'm like, just came from that side of town back to my side of town. And then I get a phone call saying, you need to go to your bank. So like, that's fucking up my production schedule. And I just feel like, like fucking I've five bank visits in like three days. I think it might have been six bank visits. That's a, that's fucking annoying. And I just feel like, okay, like none of it's a big deal. None of it. Tires, air conditioning, Ubers, banking, like whatever, like everything is going to settle out. I'm so lucky that my mom has a spare car that she's lending to me. Like, honestly, I am so fortunate and I do not mean to be complaining, but that's why my recording schedule is like not the same because like, guess what? I used to be able to like throw in laundry in the wash, take a shower, throw it in the dryer, go to work, like whatever. And now one day a week, I got to schlep all my shit to the laundromat. And like that's several hours of my life. And like I'm spending all this time at mechanics and banks and it's, a, it's fucking up my recording schedule and it makes me want to quit like the one thing that I actually care about. Like I don't even feel like a podcaster anymore. I don't have a studio and I barely fucking record to compare like compared to how I used to. And it's all very frustrating and I feel bad because like it's something that I am ostensibly am trying to make a career out of and I've been failing at and um, beating myself up about it and being like, do you do I just fail at everything that like I failed at my relationship? I fucking failed at trying to buy a car. I'm failing at trying to buy a house like and I shouldn't be trying to buy a house right now. I should have fucking bought a house three years ago, but I was broke then. At least now I'm not broke. I have money. I don't have a down payment. I'm working on it. But like. I just feel like I'm like failing at everything I try to do. Like my post-divorce life, I'm just stumbling. And like, 
it's it makes me you know when you have like several like setbacks you start to like not trust yourself or trust your intuition where I'm like I thought I was good at life I thought I knew how to navigate the world and now I am just making all the wrong decisions like why the fuck did I sell my car before the new car was here like why the fuck did I do that because if I hadn't sold my car I would have called off trying to buy a new car because apparently it's just a fucking disaster right now like you can't buy a new car there are no new cars but I like fucking fucked myself by selling my car because I could have drove that piece of shit death trap for another year until maybe production caught up but now I don't have a car and I'm not gonna buy another piece of shit car because the whole mission is that I want to be safe in a reliable vehicle like just little things little goals um and so, but yeah, I'm like, okay, well, you fucked up by selling your car before you had another one in your hands. Like, you you fucked up by not, like, I paid off all my debts in the past couple years, but, like, maybe instead of just paying off debts and buying makeup and Botox, like, maybe I should have fucking stacked that paper better and I would have the liquid assets right now to put down on a home. Like, or, I don't know, like, maybe I could have been less of a disaster before. I don't, you know what I mean? Like all these things, I'm just fucking up. I'm just, and so like I start to, and then it's like, oh, well you tell everyone about your podcast, but you're not even recording recently. So anyways, I feel like a fuck up. Um, and also like, I'll be honest, like not having a dog has been like really, really hard on me. And it's ended with me. Like every time I go visit Ralphie, I end up like having a crying meltdown. And, uh, and, like, I'm not in an ideal situation to have a dog. I live in a sad divorce apartment. It is what it is. But, like, it just is, like, I've been having, like, meltdowns because, like, I've had a tiny dog for my entire fucking life. I had Frank for almost 17 years. But there have been other tiny dogs before him and after him. I've always had a tiny dog. And I feel like a fucking, oh, here's another failure I feel like. I abandoned my child because I let Ralphie stay with Zach. Even though, like, I think that's the most, like, selfless thing I've done because he does he's an anxious dog Zach works from home he's better off there but I still feel like a failure like I gave away my child because I'm unable to offer him the life that he deserves and like you know Frank died three weeks into living at my new apartment and I know he was seven almost 17 with a heart condition he had to go sometime and I'm glad he went before he like declined a lot but like you know, part of me is like, was it the stress of the move? He didn't like the apartment. There's street noise. There's neighbor noise. Like, did that, you know, wear out his heart quicker? Would he have had a few more months or something if I hadn't gotten divorced? Anyways, um, but the whole dog thing has, like, left me not feeling like myself because I need someone to nurture and take care of. And I feel like I've just been, like, doing a lot of, like, eating. Like, I've been, like, cooking and, like, healthy food. But I've just been, like, doing, like, way too much cooking and way too much eating because it's, like, I needed some reason to look forward to going home because, like, I wasn't heading home to, like, let my dog out or, like, see my dog or whatever. You know what I mean? And so it's, like, well, I guess, oh, when I get home, I'll cook this thing and eat this thing. And then I'm, like, oh, yeah, you're just doing a bunch of emotional eating because you don't have any other reason to go home um but anyways the dog thing was really weighing on me and leaving me to feel like an empty sack of shit human being without purpose um so I adopted a new dog 
right? Like I'm complaining about all the problems in my life. And then I'm like, oh, by the way, I brought another problem in my life. Hold on. And you got, I need to drink some water. Like, oh, now you need something that's like, it costs money and time. And now when you work 11 hour shifts, you're going to have to walk this motherfucker when you get home. Like you really did this. Um, but the thing is like, I didn't realize how much my mental stability, uh, hinged on having a tiny dog to talk to and having someone outside of myself to care for. And, um, I don't believe in putting those urges towards men. Like I used to be very codependent and I've worked really hard to get away from that. And, um, you know, I think that uh, it's just better to adopt a fucked up dog and dote on him than to adopt a fucked up man. Um, so I got a 13-year-old chihuahua. His name is Fruitcake. I will be changing it. Um, he not only doesn't have any teeth, he doesn't have a lower jaw. Uh, they think he lost it due to dental disease, like, because it happens sometimes with small dogs, like, just the whole jaw decays, so his mouth kind of hangs open, he always looks like he's smiling, and, um, he's being really good right now, uh, you know, it's hard because when he meets new people, he hypersalivates out of nervousness, so, like, it doesn't make a good first impression on people, they're like, oh my god, that dog is, like, a mini hooch from Turner and Hooch, um, but, um, so, you know, I've only had him, this is day three, and it's still getting him with the program, with the potty training and stuff. He refuses to wear a harness and a collar, so I'm not making him do that until he's more comfortable. So there's a little dog park in my complex, and we walk over there about five times a day to get him to go potty. Um, and he's learning how to tell me when he has to go potty. And I'm just, we're learning about each other, but like, I, I think because I am going through so much self-doubt, I'm like, did you really do this? Did you really fucking bring this into your life? Like, you live in a shitty, sad apartment. And, and I should say, like, also since I moved in, my rent went up. And, like, it's totally reasonable. But, like, my boyfriend lives far away. And so I gave him a key to my apartment. So, like... When he, like, works, like, a night shift and then works the next morning in Central Phoenix, he can just let himself in and crash at our place. Um, and my roommate, like, totally reasonably was like, hey, like, I didn't know how often he was going to be here. Um, and she's a flight attendant, so she's like, he's here as much as I am, and I think, like, I need to raise your rent. And so uh, I felt really bad because I made him a key without asking her permission first. And in hindsight, that was a bad idea. But like that's there's my codependency right there where I'm like, oh, this will make your life easier. I'm just going to do it without thinking about how the consequences it might hold for my life or how this might affect other people around me. Because, uh, like, the impulses to uh, fuck up my life for a man are still there. And, and uh, hence the dog. Hence the dog, people. I have to fuck up my life for the dog and not for the man. So anyways, it's like I move in. My dog dies. My rent goes up because my boyfriend's here all the time. And now I got a dog and he's getting with the program. And I'm just like, I, I, I'm like, am I making my life more complicated than it needs to be? Um, 
Am I am I making a series of bad decisions? Should I just have not, since it's the worst time to buy a car or a house, and before, like, three days ago, I didn't own a dog, should I have just bought a van to live in? Because, like, then I killed two birds and one stone. Like, okay, I live in an RV. I don't have a fucking dog, and um, it's hard to buy a house. It's hard to buy a car. I'm just going to buy two-in-one and live in an RV. Like, that was a thought I had for a while. It's not what I'm going to do. I need space. I'm a creator. Anyways, it was just, like, the most annoying rant. Like, just, like, a, a list of, like, petty grievances. And I'm like, whoa, is me. Life has hiccups. But, like, that's why my recording schedule has not been as consistent as usual is because, like, my life is chaos. And I feel like every week it's just a new set of things that I have to spend time dealing with. And, um... Time-wise, that's taking time away from the podcast, and I don't want that to be the way things are, and I'm looking forward to things stabilizing. Like, hopefully by the end of the year, I will have a car, and I will have a house where I can record, and it's my fucking house, and it's my space, and I can do whatever the fuck I want in, and, like, I'm just reminding myself that, like, okay, girl, you have, like, the hot daddy, you have the cute little dog, the car's on the way, now we just gotta work on the house, like, we will get there, but, uh, I would love for things to have a a few less hiccups, um, uh, anyways, my new dog's are real cute. You guys should follow me on Instagram at Sydney DeLorean because I'll post more pictures of him. And he's, I think he has the potential to be one of the greats. Okay, let me take a sip of water. We're going to talk about 2CB and then I'm going to get the fuck out of here because I got to go like interview a dog sitter because like I am taking this birthday trip in my $300 rental car and uh, like I need the dog sitter to meet my dog and see how things are. All right. You guys are getting so much content today. 2CB stands for 2.5-dimethoxy-4-bromophenylthylamine. It's a synthetic drug with psychedelic effects. I was inspired to talk about it because some guy who owns a weed salesman was on a Patreon edition of Tim Dillon's podcast. Tim Dillon is my favorite podcaster, favorite comedian, um... People did not like that episode, but the weed farmer on it mentioned this drug. And I was like, what? He's like, it's all the rage on the streets in L.A. And I was like, never fucking heard of it. Uh, Okay, so synthetic drug with psychedelic effects. C2CB is a phenylthylamine derivative and has a similar structure to mescaline. It has visual effects and some stimulant-like properties. Anecdotal reports draw similarities between LSD and MDMA. It was first synthesized by Alexander Shulgin in 1974. And mind you, uh, Alexander Shulgin wrote a book uh, in 1991 called uh, Pi, I don't know, P-I-H-K-A-L. And it was a book about psychedelic drug science. And uh, it is on my reading list. Honestly, it looks a little bit beyond my intelligence level because as much science as I read, I've never taken a chemistry class, um, let alone like a neurochemistry class. So like I I understand like pop science, but like uh, this book looks like I might not understand it. 
Um, some reported use of 2CB by psychotherapists in the 70s, um, they, it has empathogenic effects. So it was used in therapies in the same way that MDMA was used back then and is now being used again in the current psychedelic revolution in um, psychiatric care. Um, however, an observational study showed that 2CB acts as an intactogenic drug. Intactogens have effects which include emotional openness, oneness, and introspection. That sounds beautiful. MDMA is also described as an intactogen, and this property is attributed to its potential use as a tool in psychotherapy for several psychiatric conditions, including PTSD. So very much like MDMA. Uh, therefore, it's been suggested that 2CB may pose the therapeutic benefit that Alexander Shulgin had claimed in his book, PICAL. I don't know if I'm supposed to try to pronounce it as a word or say it as an acronym. I don't know anything anymore, guys. I'm a fucking idiot mess. And I'm about to get my period, so I'm even more hormonal. And I just am like, uh, can I just, like, cry for no reason? Can I just, like, watch Sister Act 2 and cry? Because um, I find Whitney uh, Whoopi Goldberg's speech to Lauren Hill very inspirational. True story. Like, there's certain moments where I like found myself crying at something and I was like oh girl you're about to get your period and like if you're crying at sister act two you just might be about to get your period um <laughs> that's my new character Sydney Foxworthy she makes colloquial uh jokes about menstruation um okay uh so 2CB then um there was use in the recreational drug scene in the 70s and 80s. It had a short-lived legitimate history and was even marketed as an aphrodisiac in – this article said smart shops. I think that means, like, sex shops. Uh, in uh, So it was marketed as an aphrodisiac in America and the Netherlands, like, over-the-counter, which is super cool. Um, before it was, uh, it began being uh, classified as illegal in countries. Um, it's typically found as a powder, often white crystals, a pill, or in a capsule. These are typically taken orally, and the standard oral dose is between 15 to 25 milligrams. I know you guys were dying to know. Um, okay, it can be snorted, which uh, the technical term for that is insufflated learned that it can be uh, insufflated or taken orally. Um, you need to take a smaller dose when you snort it um, because it hits faster and harder. Fucking duh. And apparently it hurts like a bitch when you snort it. Um, it is suggested that 5-HT2 and A-androgenic receptors are involved. The 5-H2A receptor is associated with classical psychedelics, including LSD and psilocybin, uh, whereby the drug binds and acts as agonists. There is conflicting evidence concerning the mechanism of action of 2CB, as some research suggests that 2CB acts as a partial agonist at the 5H2A receptor, whilst other research suggests that 2CB acts as an antagonist at the 5H2A receptor. So this is where I start to go, I don't really want to try this because like everyone's like, I oh, don't know, we don't really know how it works. It needs more research. Um, and so apparently, like, the response, uh, like, the at the androgenic receptor is responsible for the stimulant effects. 
The onset of time of 2CB is typically between 45 and 75 minutes after oral consumption. A come-up period with a duration of 15 to 30 minutes is commonly described and can include feelings of anticipation and anxiety, as well as bodily sensations, including tingling and pins and needles. Although there are anecdotes, <laughs> it's like I talked too much before I got to the actual show, and now I'm I can't like my tongue is all twisted out. This is why I could never be a, like. Listen, I used to date chicks. I am sexually attracted to chicks, but like I could never be a good full time lesbian because I don't have the tongue strength. Although maybe if I ate pussy more often, I would be able to speak better into a microphone. It would help, you know, it would be like the rain in Spain falls mainly on the plane. It would be not a vocal ex exercise, but an oral exercise that would train my tongue to withstand longer talking sessions. All right. <clears throat> Breaking news. I'm breaking up with my boyfriend and hitting the lesbo market for professional reasons. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, there are anecdotal, anecdotal reports of the effects of 2CB. Recent observational studies have provided valuable insight into the emotional and pharmacological effects of 2CB. The effects of 2CB are heavily dose-dependent and typically include enhanced mood and feelings of euphoria, laughter, visual, and auditory alterations and hallucinations, enhanced energy, sexual arousal, enhanced libido, um, but also... Nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea, which apparently in Europe, some places, is spelled with an O-E-A at the end. Because um, I got that from a British article. And I'm like, do they... We have diarrhea here, and they have diarrhea. Um, <laughs> okay. 2CB includes a psychedelic experience, including alterations to mood, as well as visual and auditory hallucinations. The nature of a 2CB trip can be emotionally challenging for some people, including states of anxiety and paranoia. Similar to all psychedelics, the psychological risks can be minimized by set and setting, ensuring both your mindset is stable and well-prepared and that the environment is comfortable and safe, it is recommended that you have a trip sitter. So again, like, and this is my thing. I don't even understand why people, when they're sad, they drink because I'm like, ooh, that's going to get real bad in maudlin. I know. Ask me about the two times I drank after Frank died and I became a weeping ball on the floor and embarrassed myself in front of people. Don't. Go to a pool party when you're grieving and drink and try to act like everything's okay because it's not going to go well. And then when you go inside to lay down and cry and see that someone has made a porn account using pictures of you and now you think everyone thinks that you're a porn star and not only is your life falling apart and your marriage has ended, but um, people think you do porn and your dog's dead. It, it, it's a bad time. It's a bad time. And so I can't imagine being like, in the same way that I, I don't take psychedelics in party environments, I don't even really like getting high around other people. I like doing everything alone, including sex. Cue my vibrator. Um, I'm just kidding, guys. I'm just kidding. Listen, if you subscribe to Patreon, maybe you'll hear about my sex life over there, but you got to pay to hear about that. It's a dollar. Um, 
So yeah, set and setting are important. A trip sitter is recommended. Um, you want to gear up with intention. I mean, that's my thing with tripping is that I go in with intention and I want to make sure that I'm in a safe space so that I can like move through that universe and sort through, like get answers to the questions I'm asking um, versus the unpredictability of doing psychedelic drugs in a party, party setting. I just cannot imagine. The most I've ever done is like do them at, like microdosing while like hiking or like waterfalls and that sort of thing. Um, okay. Uh, anecdotal reports suggest that recreational doses of 2CB are associated with low toxicity and are physiologically well tolerated. However, there is a lack of scientific studies on the toxicity and long-term effects of 2CB. A recent observational study investigated the immediate pharmacological effects of 2CB demonstrating increased heart rate and blood pressure after 2CB consumption. Therefore, 2CB may be dangerous for those with heart conditions, also diabetes and epilepsy. Uh, prescription drugs with an associated risk uh, would be MAOI inhibitors, um, tramadol, antipsychotics, antihypertensives, central nervous system depressants, and vasodilators. Um, key drug combinations to avoid uh, it should not be mixed with tramadol because there's an increased risk of seizure. Oh, my God, guys. Can I just tell you that, like, week before last at my job, there was a big bar brawl and I had to call the cops and it was like a whole thing. And then the next night I got to work early just to kind of settle in and get adjusted before clocking in. And before I was even clocked in, a woman asked me to close out her tab. And while she was signing it, she had a seizure. And thankfully, like, I at first I thought she was dancing because there was like... You know, I think it was, uh, I think it was, um, my God, what's Lemmy's band? This is so embarrassing. Motorhead was playing on the jukebox and I thought this lady was just kind of like dancing because it was like the ace of spades. And, um, and then I was like, oh wait, no, this bitch is having a seizure. And then I, I got like behind her. So she fell on top of me. So she didn't hit the cement and I had to call paramedics again. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? And she was fine. <sighs> But I was just like, dude, why is every day fucking, I don't want this much excitement in my life. You know what I mean? I want to do Pilates and yoga and I want to have enough money to get a massage from this bitch that I got put in touch with who used to be the Phoenix Suns official massage therapy from the Barkley through the Nash era. And I have the opportunity to get a massage from her, which would be fucking great because my body is a, is a wonderland, but it's a painful wonderland. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, I just want to, like, do, like, spiritual and physical healing and pet my tiny dog. And yet I'm like, Ugh. But you know what, guys? When I get my fucking car, which I don't think I said it's a Toyota RAV4, um, I can go camping whenever the fuck I want. Because my ex was not a camper. We traveled a lot together, but he didn't like camping. But, um, number one, I'm single now. So, I, like, I keep saying I'm single. I'm not single. But, like. I'm not in, and not that we were married, but like that felt more like a marriage. Like he, and he like had a more flexible schedule. So like I didn't travel without him because he was always available to travel with me and therefore we never camped. But now I have a life where I can just camp whenever the fuck I want or my big strong daddy can camp with me because he fucking likes that shit. So like soon enough I will be in the woods 
teaching yoga to my big old daddy, and it is what it is. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. 2CB should not be mis- mixed with ayahuasca or chunga as they both contain MAOIs. 2CB should not be mixed with other stimulants, including cocaine and amphetamines. It should not be mixed with cannabis. It should not be mixed with other psychedelics as this carries the risk of making the trip more intense. It should not be mixed with any recreational used prescription drugs that are known to potentially interact with 2CB. That includes those I listed above. Um, so basically don't mix your shit. Don't mix your shit. I would also say, does it say, it says don't mix it with, um, depressants, which would include alcohol. I thought it said central nervous system. Oh yeah. Central nervous system depressants. So I would say that includes alcohol. Don't take the shit while drinking. Um, much like Uh, every other psychedelic drug, there is a low potential for addiction because psychedelic drugs are not addictive. Um, You do not become physically or emotionally dependent on them. Uh, Very, very, very few people throughout the course of history have ever become quote unquote addicted to psychedelics, especially because like the, but it's not drugs that people become addicted to are ones that boost your serotonin, your dopamine, they're disassociative. They basically break you away from yourself. You know what I mean? So like all the ugliness, all the stress, all the bullshit you're carrying, they give you a reprieve from that versus psychedelics generally grant you the opportunity to explore and work through that. And that is actually not that fun always. You know what I mean? Like we've all had a good time on mushrooms, but like it's it's different than like having something like I always say like a glass of wine takes the edge off of life. I don't know that I would say the same about a psychedelic drug. Um, I'll let you know. As soon as I get this dang car, I'll go take some mushrooms in the goddamn woods and I'll get back to you. But anyways, guys, thank you for listening to me whine and complain. I'm sorry that I am failing you in terms of recording and uploading episodes. I... I'm a little bit overwhelmed and I don't like to admit that I get overwhelmed because I consider myself someone who handles life very well, particularly the shit I went through regarding my health during the pandemic with the job and the business and making shit happen. Like I think that I'm a very capable human being, but right now I feel like I'm suffering death by a thousand needles. (laughs) Like it's just like every little thing I'm like, oh, this fucking needling me, my stepdad, um, May he rest in peace. Uh, he's still alive. It's just he's dead to me. He used to always say, oh, another potato in the sack. Like anytime it was like, oh, hey, you need to do this or hey, this or that. He'd be like, An- just another potato in the sack. Like because he, he metaphorically in this situation, everything he had to deal with in life was in a potato sack he had to carry around. Um, he was the Sisyphus of West Bloomfield, Michigan. Um And generally you just deal with the potatoes and then you lighten your sack. But like in dealing with my potatoes, which I do, like I'm the type of person where a problem presents itself, I fix it. This AC needs fixed, I fix it. This needs a new tire, I fix it. And I know people who will just like fucking drive their, like a car that needs repairs until then there's like a big major breakdown or something. And I'm like, that's why you you get ahead of it. You know what I mean? You deal with the fucking shit the minute it presents itself so that it doesn't fucking amplify 
down the, ro- the road, right? But in me dealing with these goddamn potatoes, I am so fucking exhausted. And I love you guys so much. And I'm sorry that I'm like kind of a whiny baby on this episode. I don't mean to be. Um, and if you want to subscribe to Patreon, like that would be great. I'm going to have a juicy episode going up. Um, tomorrow I have another episode where I might even talk about my sex life. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, uh, I love you guys. Happy hump day. Bye.